Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So we're going to begin a series on the topic of stewardship this week and next week. Next week, we're going to talk about some practical ways, uh, some ways that we can uh, utilize the gifts that God has given us for his kingdom work. But today, we're going to start with a simple question, uh, one, one that's kind of more oriented towards, you could say, like the philosophy of giving, for example, one that gets to the heart of the matter. So it's this question here. What is your relationship with your stuff? Now, we all admit that we have stuff. I see everyone here is wearing a shirt. That's a good thing. Everyone here probably rode here in a car today. Everyone probably came from a home, a place where you live, a shelter to keep rain off your head and maybe to store the rest of your stuff. We all admit that we have stuff, but the question kind of becomes, what's your relationship to that? We know that some stuff is necessary, but too much stuff is also harmful. So where's that balancing point? Where's that line that, that we shouldn't cross, but that we need to get close to, or else we're you know, suffering more than perhaps we, we should be? Where's the line? Jesus has some words to say about this, but before we get to that, I want to think about this a little bit more by breaking it down. I think there's three basic ways that we can kind of think about a relationship that we have with our stuff. So the first one is this. You can think to yourself, it's my stuff. I own it. I'm in charge of it. I want to manage it. I want to use it. I want to do things with it. So that's one way you can think about it. You can think, I have a relationship of ownership. They're my things. The money that I have is mine. The house that I live in, I own it. I can do with it what I want. The second mentality or relationship we can have is to think this. You don't think about your stuff at all. You say, well, if, the, if there's a problem maybe with the first one where we get too wrapped up in thinking about owning our stuff, maybe the, the right response then is to just set it aside and say, you know, maybe if I, if I run the risk of dwelling too much on my things, maybe I just need to put it aside and not think about it at all. Just let, let it be. You know, I have a house. What of it? Everybody has a house, right? I've got clothes on my back. Yeah, I got these down from, you know, Walmart or whatever for couple bucks a couple years ago. I don't even think about it anymore. It's just in my closet. And, and there's pitfalls to this kind of thinking as well. Then there's the, the third relationship with our stuff that I think that would be the argument that we should do this because it's, you think, how does God want me to use my stuff? If you find yourself in this kind of a mentality, you're thinking perhaps the right way. To give you a couple of examples of these three types of relationships with stuff, I think I'll quote the Lord. It's probably a good place to go. So today in our gospel lesson, Jesus gives a parable where he's talking about stuff. And the rich fool thinks to himself, I've worked hard for my money. I've been a shrewd manager of my my homestead and my farm. I've done a great job at hiring the right people to bring in the harvest. I have such a successful harvest, in fact, that I can't keep it all in my barns. I know what I'll do. I'll build bigger barns. And you can sort of almost hear probably a lot of the same, the voice of the same kinds of people that you work with, maybe that are in your own home, maybe your neighbors, maybe even yourself. 
Because especially in 21st century America, this is sort of the mentality of success, right? We have resources. We're supposed to manage them, control them, make them go into the right places, invest them. We're supposed to make sure that all the people that are working for us are oriented towards the same goal. And we're supposed to make sure that we make as much money for our stakeholders as possible. That's the goal of business. That's the goal of the American economy. And we see so many people who are living their lives this way, where they're trying to, they're trying to make sure that they work hard, long enough that they can, they can get stuff or they can get the prestige or they can get the, the kind of veneration of their peers. They can get the, the title, the, the higher rung up the promotional ladder, the three letters on their business card, and that is the pursuit of their life. The rich fool, the parable from Jesus. I'll just read a portion of it real quick. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest, and he thought to himself, what shall I do? I know. I I need a place to store my crops. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I'll store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, hmm, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God, uh uh-oh, something shifted a little here. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. You see this relationship that this man has with his stuff, and it's not healthy. And it reminds us that this relationship of ownership of your stuff can be dangerous because if you spend your whole life thinking about how to manage your resources and thinking about how you can leverage what you have to increase your own comfort and your own well-being then you don't own your stuff at all your stuff owns you and you're a slave to your stuff just like the rich fool Jesus says in the beginning of that parable, it is not a man's, the the reason for man's life is not to increase the abundance of his resources, his provision, his, his retirement savings, his boat, his lakeside house, his vacations, his timeshares. That's not life. Life is not about that. There are so many higher pursuits than simple collecting of wealth. There, there's something higher to attain to than that. So let's talk a little bit more about this next one. You, you, maybe you think this way. You don't think about your stuff at all. You, you see the parable of the rich fool and you think to yourself, he was so wrapped up in his stuff, he should have just lived his life and 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 done what was necessary, but not think so much about his stuff. It was that that was the problem. So you say to yourself, I know, I'll just kind of go through life, and I won't worry about my stuff. My stuff will worry about itself. That sounds like something Jesus said, right? Well, he actually said, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. But 
He did say a lot of things about managing the resources, the blessings, the gifts that God has given you to be good stewards of those things. So let's, let's think about an example of Jesus communicating to us why this second uh, principle, the second style of relationship of just avoiding you know, your stuff and not worrying about it, why that can be harmful. In Matthew chapter 25, he tells the parable of three servants. A master goes on a vacation and gives three servants some, some gold and says, uh, you know, do, do something with this while I'm away. The one who receives only one bag of gold from his master, which still, one bag of gold? Yes, please. All right, I'll take that. He, he is so worried about what might happen if something bad happens to that bag of gold that he decides the better thing to do is to just ignore it. So he says, in the dark of night, I'm going to go out in my backyard and I'm going to dig a hole. I'm going to take that bag of gold and I'm going to cover it up in the hole and I'll wait until the master gets back and then I'll go out and I'll dig it up and I'll take the bag and I'll give it back to him. No harm, no foul. I will give him back exactly what he gave me so that way he knows I safeguarded it. So let's read this. What happens after the master gets back is this. The man who had received one bag of gold came back. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you had not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. The master replied, You wicked lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers. I think there should be an at least. You should have at least put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back at least with interest. Like, if you weren't going to do anything with it at all, at least give it to somebody who passively can accumulate income off of it. So he's, he's definitely not happy with this servant and the way he approaches money. Actually, he's not just not happy. Watch what comes next. He says, take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who had ten bags, which we'll talk about in a minute. For whoever has will be given more and they will have abundance. And whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And then throw that worthless servant outside into darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus is not patient when it comes to the rich fool who spends all of his whole life dedicated to increasing mammon and wealth and power and prestige in this world, but he's also not patient <laughs> with people who squander away the blessings of God. Because God is lavish with his gifts in our lives. He gives and he blesses and he sustains us as his beloved children. And we don't have the option to be the rich fool and be totally focused only on our stuff. And we definitely don't have the option to say, wow, that's neat, God, and then push it to the side. Like some child on Christmas Day who gets a knit sweater from his grandma, right? Oh, thanks. Now, let's look at this box. That looks like a cool toy. We don't have the option to take God's gifts and push them aside. He has called us. He has 
He has asked us, he's, I would even go further, he's commanded us to take these gifts, these blessings, and to put them to good use. So, if we think, or if rather we don't think, about our stuff at all, that makes us poor stewards of our stuff in the model of the lazy servant. Number three was, maybe this is the right way to do it. You think about your stuff, this question, how does God want me to use my stuff? So Jesus gives us an an example from this same parable from Matthew about what that looks like. He says that there's a, a good servant, one who is, is blessed with five bags of gold. And he has such confidence and such faith in this servant. He gives him the most because he knows that that servant will not go buried in the dirt. He also knows he's not going to just merely, you know, safely invest it and, and walk away from it. He's going to work with that money. He's going to take the blessings of his master and seek to increase them. So let's read that. Jesus says, Again, it will be like a man, that master, who's going out on a journey, who calls his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To the one he gave five bags of gold, that's the one we're referring to, to another two and to another one, that wicked and lazy servant, he only gave one, each according to his ability. And then he went on his journey. Now the man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. After a long journey, we're going to skip to 19. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and he settled his accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done. Now look at this in contrast to the previous previous servant who was the wicked, lazy servant. Now he says, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. Now I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Well done, good and faithful servant. Because he knew that the blessings that come from God, the stuff of our lives, It's not meant for us to hoard and enjoy for ourselves, nor is it meant for us to just kind of go, oh, that's cool, and then move on with our lives. When God gives gifts, he has an expectation for us. He wants us to know that he loves us, but he also wants us to know what it's like to share his heart of generosity with others. So let's think about this for a second. If we know that the first two models were wrong, let's talk about the third one. So you think to yourself, how does God want me to use my stuff? If you do that, that actually makes you a good steward of your stuff. Or rather, should we say that makes you a good steward of God's stuff, of the master's stuff. And therefore, you are a faithful servant. So when you think about your paycheck, when you think about your house, when you think about the skills and abilities with which he has blessed you, when you think about the time of your day, when you regard that as a gift from your master, and you see his, his lavishly giving and blessing you, you don't have the option of going, wow, that's cool, let me get as much of that as I can so that I can take it easy. And you also don't say, okay, cool, God, whatever, and then move on with your day. 
you have to regard the things which God gives you, the blessings that he bestows to you in your life, and you have to be willing, ready, and able to put those to good use for his kingdom purposes. That is an immense blessing from God, but the the question that it brings to my mind is, why does God care so much about our stuff? If God is truly infinite in power, if everything that exists that you see around him truly does belong to him, why does he care at all about what you put in the offering plate? Why does he care at all about how you use your time? Why does he care at all about whether or not you use your skills and abilities for him or for anyone, for that matter? Well, this is what's so potent about God's love for us. He gives anyway, and he loves anyway, and he pours out his blessings anyway, even though he doesn't know what's going to happen. But he cares about your stuff for this reason. Well, I think the best way to describe it is to, to think about it in, in these terms. I heard a song when I was preparing this sermon. It was one of those God sort of things. I think it really presents why God cares about our stuff at all. It's called Boots of Spanish Leather. Have any of you guys heard this song before? It's by Bob Dylan. Anybody heard this song? If you haven't heard it, you should go listen to it after church today. All right, That's my homework to you. It's a pretty good song. It's set to the story of some forlorn lovers. There's a, there's a woman who's going on a, on a journey across the sea. And as she's traveling, she receives correspondence from, from her, her man back at home. And so it begins this way. It says, um, I'm sailing away my one true love. I'm sailing away in the morning. Is there anything I can send you from across the sea from the place that I'll be landing? So she wants to send a, a gift to her loved one. She wants him to know she's thinking about him and, and to have something to kind of hold on to as a representation of her while she's away. It's kind of sweet. But listen to his response. No, there's nothing you can send me, my own true love. There's nothing I wish to be owning just carry yourself back to me unspoiled from across that lonesome ocean. A little later in the song, again, the, the woman is trying to do something kind and nice. It's that I might be gone a long time, and it's only that I'm asking, is there something I can send you to remember me by, to make your time more easy passing? And his response, you can feel just how upset he is about this and how he's truly missing her. He says, oh, how, how can you ask me again? It only brings me sorrow. The same thing I want from you today, I would want again tomorrow. And what is that thing he wants? He doesn't want some trinket. He doesn't want some photo or some memorabilia. He doesn't want gold or silver. He wants her. He wants her presence. He wants her to be there with him. So the question I have is, why does God care about your stuff? The real answer is, he doesn't. He doesn't care about your stuff at all. There's no gift you could put in an offering plate. There's no amount of hours you could serve that will make him love you more or less. There's no, no thing you could do for him, no action or deed that could be so grand that it could 
bring more joy to his heart about you as his beloved child. The reason why God cares about your stuff is this. He doesn't want your stuff. What he wants is you. He wants to be with you forever. And he will do whatever it takes to have that. He gave a great gift in his own son, Jesus Christ, who came and died for you. And so often it's our stuff that gets in the way. Like the rich fool who is so concerned with his stuff that he can't see the path laid out before him that he's walking on that leads straight to destruction. Or like the, the wicked and lazy servant who just is so afraid of what might happen if he abuses God's stuff that he sets it aside and thinks nothing of it because he doesn't want to be burdened by the responsibility. He wants us to be generous with our stuff, not because he desires our stuff. He gave it to us to begin with. Why would he just want it back? He does it because in the process of giving to you, he shows you how to give. And in the process of you giving back, it shows that your heart has cleared the path. That your heart is, is not focused like the rich fool on, on, on stuff, nor like the wicked tenant, but rather that you have seen your master who has, who has lovingly blessed you, and you put those blessings to use for his purposes. That, that's perhaps one of the most amazing blessings that we get to have as Christian people, is that we get to look at our stuff as true blessings. True blessings from a father who loves us and wants to give us good gifts. We have the perfect example ahead of us of what it looks like to be generous with these gifts. How to, how to use them to make a real and lasting legacy impact on other people's lives. And we get to give back to God so that we make sure that our relationship with, with him isn't cluttered up by garage sale items and, and trying to figure out our retirement savings and figure out, you know, our boats and our, and our, and our uh, lakeside houses. It, that stuff gets in the way, and as Christ said, it's not about gathering an abundance of possessions. Life is about what? It's about God. It's about what he has done for you and how he commands you to love your neighbor. And that is true about how we, we handle our stuff. So when you reach your last day, as we, we all will one day, think about this. When he, when he regards you in this, in this realm of how you have been a steward of his gifts, during life. Think about what he will say. Will he say, you spent your whole life trying to go up the promotional ladder. You spent your whole life trying to make sure that your retirement savings were ready so that you could have a comfortable life. You spent your whole life making sure that, that you had as much honor and prestige in the eyes of your peers as you could. You wasted it. Life was not about that. You fool. That's hopefully not our fate. Nor, I hope, do we, do we find ourselves in a position where we spend our whole life receiving God's gifts and receiving God's gifts, but never analyzing it, never taking a moment to regard what it means that God gives gifts, being poor stewards of our resources. When we get to that judgment seat at the end, will he say, 
you wicked and lazy servant. I gave you so many blessings and you squandered them all away. Or will he look at us and see the merit of Christ Jesus, his son, the greatest gift he has ever given, and see the heart within you transformed so that you don't look at stuff as something to be hoarded or something to be ignored, but rather something to put to use for his kingdom purposes? And will he look at that life lived with, with purpose, with a legacy left behind, with, with the opportunity to share not just our, our testimony about Christ, but also the life that we live in Christ, even in our stuff, even the, the meager things that we own, if they see us live a life of that format, of, of that, that way of thinking, then might our Heavenly Father look at us, see Christ reflecting off of us, and say these words, well done. Well done, my good and faithful servant. That's what I hope. <laughs> I hope in the end that I am, I am a reflection of Christ. I hope that even though I have shortcomings, even though I'm a sinful person, that when God looks at me, he'll see the light of Christ. And he'll look at me and say those words, well done, good and faithful servant. And so reflect on that during this time period as we're, we're looking at our stewardship journey. Realize that the truth of stewardship is that God wants you. He wants to spend eternity with you as his good and faithful servant. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give thanks to you this day that you have called us into your heart of generosity for for so many things, that you have blessed us with your gifts and expect us to use those gifts. We thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus. We pray that you use us to reflect his light in what we say and what we do and in the relationship that we have with the blessings that you have given to us. We pray this all in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen.